It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, during our recent Georgia Pre-K Week, students received a nice surprise in the mail, their own copies of a new book by children's author and Zach Brown Band lead guitarist Coy Bowles. And Commissioner, the book is called Can You Touch a Color? And it's a follow-up to Coy's book Behind the Little Red Door. Yeah, it's an it's an amazing book and we were so happy we were finally able to send it out to Georgia pre-K students. You know, of course, nothing goes as planned when COVID hit us all by surprise. Um, But I loved seeing all the social media posts with all the kids getting their books. They looked so excited. And I've heard from a few folks about how they loved it. Some personal friends that said, wait, is this your new pre-K book for this year? You did this with Koi again. We love it. So uh, we always. We always love a Koi book, and uh, this is a great one, too. Well, we wanted to find out more about the book. I always love stories behind the story. And so joining us this week to talk about Can You Touch a Color is none other than the author and musician, Koi Bowles. Koi, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. How are you doing? It is great to see you. You guys can't see him, but he's in his home recording studio which is where the magic happens this is on- where it goes down <laughs> facebook live and all kinds of things happen there in the home studio we love it we love catching up with koi let's start by talking about the book we all love behind the little red door where we met pico and millie and keely what was your inspiration for the new book um i heard something about your daughter hattie might have had something to do with it yeah she asked me one day when we were sitting in the car Uh, We were still in the garage and we were about to pull out and she said, just randomly, I mean, we weren't even talking about colors or we weren't asking each other questions, you know, or anything. And she just randomly goes, dad, can you touch a color? And I was like, hmm, you know, okay, let me put on my, my science cap here. (laughs) Cause I did go to school for biology for a while. So I was like, you know, well, and I'm trying to explain to her, and she was probably three and a half at the time. She just turned five on the 21st. Wow. So, um, um, yeah, she's like basically grown now. But um, uh, it was really, it was a really interesting thing. I was like, wow, one thing is I never would have, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought about asking that question. And it had, um, the name of it had such a pop to it. That I immediately like put the car back in park and then got out my phone and wrote, can you touch a color? You know? Um, and, uh, and then I kind of, you know, the way this works is I generally write down ideas on my phone and then I have like a hundred different little wheels spinning in my head that most people don't have. Um, and when I have idle time or sometimes when I'm actually talking to people, uh, those wheels will be spinning and um you know i'm kind of constantly thinking about you know um the outline of the story and kind of how it works and what it would be like uh and then generally i i most often have it almost completely written in my head and then i'll just sit down one day and actually kind of write it all out and then it very rarely gets changed too much from there i mean it gets edited uh, to where grammar and punctuation and things like that. And then there's uh, a couple of times where you have to drop a page here or there to make it fit within the scheme of printing and things of that nature, you know? Um, um, but other than that, that's kind of how writing children's books generally work for me. I mean, it's almost like uh, somewhat of a rhyming song. So I'll kind of have been singing it over and over and over in my head for a couple of days you know, it's a months, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, my daughter inspired this book, which was really awesome, you know, and I tried to do my best while I was in the car explaining how you can and cannot touch a color because color is light. So, you know, it's really just light bouncing around. Um, and then I was just like, yeah, I think, you, you know, and then I was ultimately like, what do you think? And she was like, I think you can touch a color. I was like, well, then there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, all students in Georgia's pre-K program received their own copies of the new book, thanks to our funding from the Georgia Lottery. And several of us read the book to students for Georgia Pre-K Week, and that was a lot of fun. What kind of response are you getting, Coy? I actually had, I walk my daughter to school when I'm in town. Um, and so I walked her to school today. And on the way up, uh, we're all masked, you know, like when I'm walking them up to the front of the school. And two parents, uh, they were masked, so I don't know who they are. We're like, hey, we really like your book. Thank you for giving it to our son. You know, and then there was a first part of it was like, where I was like, oh, that's really cool. Thank you so much. And then I, you know, because I'm such like a, I guess, a aw shucks country boy kind of guy, I was like about to get into explaining that I really didn't give it to him, you know, that's <laughs> like just in case they were confused, you know. But, um, no, I actually got a compliment on it today, which was really cool. Uh, and overall, um, the response has been really, really um, great. Um, I think people are getting the idea that it can be uh, a book that you just kind of, you experience in its is an adventure through this rainbow slide, or it can be a conversation starter about you know, the world around you and, 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 you know, the colors that are everywhere kind of thing. And so I really, that was my purpose was to try to like open up this larger discussion of um, just like being aware of everything that's around you really, you know? Um, and I thought that was really important, but I don't like writing books that are like, that just like kind of hammer the lesson home to kids. I find myself not really reading those books over and over to my kids and they kind of feel like it's a little when, when when we read them, they feel like it's a little like we've already read this book. We've already been told that you shouldn't do that or you should do that. So we kind of get it, Dad, you know, kind of thing. So <laughs> I like it. I, at least I like for my books to kind of have a creative realm to where uh, you can just read it and have fun and go on the journey or you can spark conversation. So that's been the, the most delightful response as people are picking up on on that part of it. Cause I have had people, right. you know, write me and say, we love the idea that, you know, uh, we, this opens up conversation. So. Yeah. Well, from November through April, Georgia's pre-K program has some fun activities planned each month around. Can you touch a color, including lesson plans for teachers and a lot of really cool contests. Have you been told about that? Yes, Corey? I, I think you're involved somehow or some yeah, way. Yes, I have. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited about um, it. You're always a great partner with keeping it going. We don't just send the book. We make sure teachers know how to use it in the classroom and kids can get involved in contests. And you can look for more information on our social media and remember the hashtag C-Y-T-A-C in the email C-Y-T-A-C at decal.ga.gov for submitting some of the entries for our contest. And I think there might be a special coy appearance if you are a winner. Mm. So don't miss out on that. Wow. <laughs> that juice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, the feedback because, uh, as the commissioner said, the the just the pictures of the kids getting their books were oh, so man, inspiring. So cool. mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I the don't think there's faces. anything in my life that's happened, um, you know, that I can say that is that fulfilling. I mean, you know, outside of like playing music in front of a lot of people, the most kind of bananas thing that I've done in my life is these books with, you know, the, the, the state of Georgia and department of early learning. You know, mm -hmm. I just, when I see like a room full of kids all holding the same book and knowing that they're going to go home with it, it's uh there's something that's so, you know, kind of exciting. And also like, I'm just, I can't believe it happened because I've been writing children's books for so long. So the fact that it goes out to so many people, and you also realize that, you know, some kids have hundreds of books at home. And then this might be this one kid's one book that they're going to have at the house. And it's mine. It's mm -hmm. one that I wrote. And so, you know, if they are going to read it uh, or have somebody read it with them or anything, then it's going to be, you know, my creativity and my kind of, I guess, thought process of, on, of what life is about and my adventurous little world that they're going to be a part of. You know, and it's just so hard for me to fathom, like how cool that is. Mm. You know, it's like it's all it's in the weird way of coming up with the little red door, having the little red door go home with them. It's kind of like them having their own little red door through the book. If it, it in some kind of weird, you know, 
portal kind of way, it's it's super cool that, that everybody's getting the chance to to peek through the door. You know, yeah. Well, it's a concept they could carry for a long time and think back on. Uh, yeah, for sure. For years to come. So it's amazing. I, I think we've talked about this before, but you write books, you write songs. I'm wondering, are there any similarities in the process and which comes easier for you? Um, there's a lot of similarities in the the concept. Uh, the books that I write normally are, are rhyming. And so uh, you learn about hard rhyme and soft rhyme and you know, kind of how if you're trying to rhyme with, say, color, that's a it's a word that only so many, you know, uh, words rhyme with. So you have to make sure that um, that you pick your one or two places in the book where you're going to use your really solid hard rhymes. Mm -hmm. And then you can flip the sentences around. And so can you touch a color? It, it would, you know, I'm going to just make it up right now, which could possibly bomb pretty hard but it would be something along the lines of instead of can you touch a color it would be you know there's colors all around and which one do you want to touch so now you get to rhyme with touch and it's the same concept so there's those kind of skills you learn in songwriting of like how to flip sentences around to be able to rhyme easier with with different words and i would have uh i wouldn't be as strong as that if i hadn't spent the last like 15 years of my life writing songs you know Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that, but, um, I wouldn't say one's easier than the other. I think there's a pressure when writing songs to whether or not for me personally, is this a song for somebody else? Or is this a song for me? Is this a song that I'm going to try to like, you know, hopefully get on the radio or get on an album for other people to listen to, or is this something that's just for me to pour out? And it's kind of like a journal entry or something, mm -hmm. whereas kid books, uh, children's books kind of fall in this unique area where you're trying to do a lot of stuff. You're trying to inspire them. You're trying to open up creative, you know, windows. You're trying to uh, spark um, uh, critical thinking, you know, uh, and you're trying to do stuff with the page and the illustrations and things of that nature. So I feel a little bit more pressure from the children's books, specifically from the state of Georgia, uh, not from you guys, but like, I've never had writer's block in my entire life, except for the first time they called and was like, do you want to do a book that goes out to 80,000 kids? And I was like, <laughs> oh, you know, frog in my throat. Um, but then I quickly, you know, kind of, kind of found my way around it. Um, so I always take it really seriously um, of the idea of these books having a potential to make a profound effect on kids in a positive way. And that's not something I just want to like write slop about, you know, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. And, and actually, you probably know this from your two girls. The The younger kids can be your tougher audience because um, they don't there's no filter there. And if they don't like it, they'll well, it's also you. the idea of that humans, uh, adult humans tend to overthink things in a way that kids never would. Perfect example is on uh, an album that I did for kids called tiny uh, music for tiny humans. My buddy and I, Carlos were talking about, we've had drums on every song. Like, let's just, you know, we've got drums on every song. Let's do a song without drums. And when the girls came down and listened to it and on every song up until that point, they had danced and gone crazy. We played them this one song and they were just like, can we go back upstairs? <laughs> we were like, Ooh, you know? Okay. And so, um, I was like, well, what if we put drums on it and bring them back down and see what happens? So we played drums on it, brought them back down. Then they just danced like crazy. And we were like, there you go. Love it. Only an adult would think that, you know, a song wouldn't need drums, you know, because <laughs> you've already had too many drums. Kids are just like drums always, obviously we're kids, you know? So, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, at least you could do that in a controlled atmosphere. Whereas, you know, in your other life, uh, that's when folks would go to the concession stand. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know, I, th th yeah, that's a, a lot to talk about in there. <laughs> <laughs> now, recently, you've taken this whole thing to the next level with something called Koiko, which uh, when we love acronyms around decal, so we're all about Koiko, creative opportunity yields creative output. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's been this idea to have this kind of umbrella company to where all of this stuff that I'm doing, 
for kids and for uh, early education and also uh, teacher appreciation, literacy, you know, just kind of all of these things that I've arrived at being my advocacies that they fall under, you know, this one kind of company that has uh, a certain, you know, idea of what it stands for. And uh, I wanted it to be fun and exciting sounding. So I love the idea of uh, Koiko because it sounds like a toy company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't like Koi company, um, you know, and I guess that's per- people's first initial thought when they see it is Koi company. But it was more like I wanted to have my name involved in it, but then I wanted it to um, to sound like a toy company. So I kept going Koi, yo, Koi. Bo, Koi, you know, until so I came up with Koiko and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I started thinking about the this this whole idea that I started with in the first place of my mission was really to give kids the opportunity to be, to be creative. And once I started looking at these letters and everything, I really, it, it was almost like you do things in life and they're, you know, your brain hard at work, you know, trudging through all this stuff and coming up with an acronym. And then there's stuff that just kind of falls in your lap and you're like, look up in the sky and you go, uh, thank you for that. That was a great gift. And so this one was kind of like that. I literally went to start writing the acronym and it was like, you know, creative opportunity equals creative output, you know? So the whole idea is if you get a, give a kid a book, they'll learn to read. If you get a kid a camera, they'll learn how to take pictures. If you get kids love, then they'll learn how to love, you know? And so uh, it's basically the the rule of human nature to a certain degree, you know, without the opportunity, you have a rare chance of being good at something, you know, or being able to do it. So that's what this company is, is really all about is trying to give kids uh, the, the uh, opportunity to be creative and think and think independently, you know? So I'm really excited about it, man. When, when having this whole thing form into a company, it now starts taking shape and it starts having direction. You know, it's just like when you write things down on paper, whatever that golden rule is, you know, that it kind of forms into earth and starts taking place. Now that I've formed this company uh, and started moving forward with it, uh, it's a thing now, you know? So I'm really excited about pushing it forward and seeing how far, you know, I can, I can, have an effect on uh, uh, parents and teachers and kids in a positive way through this company. And we know you will, Coy. (laughs) (laughs) You already have. Um, You already have. So also during pre-K week, you hosted a very popular Facebook live for our Georgia's pre-K program classes. And I, I was on there and I saw people from New York. So there are lots of people tuning in outside of Georgia, which I'm sure were your, your big fans. Um, And for our listeners, if you missed this, here's a little sample so I see so many of you guys coming through. Oh, man, look how many people are here. Oh, guys, Statesboro, Fayetteville, Macon. That's kind of close to where I live. Uh, we have Rome, Dalton, Troop, Griffin, Columbus. That's kind of close to where I live. I see Athens. Wow. Thank you guys so much. So if you're, if you're just showing up, I'll show you something really cool. I have this pad that I get to... I get to do really cool things on. So, uh, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining. Thank you so much. You don't have to clap, really. You don't have to clap. So, does anybody know what today is? Does anybody know, is today Monday? Uh, Is today Tuesday? I think we already did Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. I think we've already, I think Tuesday was yesterday. I think today is Wednesday. So, I think we should do a Wednesday song. What do you guys think? You want to do a Wednesday song? Okay. So, Wednesday is officially the middle of the week. So, I thought it would be really cool if we do, hey, small world pre-K in Thomaston, Georgia, that's my hometown. That's where I grew up, guys. So Wednesday is in the middle of the week. So what if we said, it's Wednesday, it's Wednesday, middle of the week is Wednesday. Do you guys think that would be cool? Okay, so you have to sing it with me. 
So we'll pick this beat or should we pick this beat? I think I like that one best. So we either have this one. That's good. I like that beat, but let's. Oh, yeah. That one's good. Okay, so let's do this. So we'll go. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. How about that? All right. So here we go. You can dance if you want to. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. Oh, yeah. What do you guys think? That was pretty awesome. If I have to say so myself, I don't think I've ever heard a better Wednesday song. So let's do it one more time. And if you're watching this and you can stand up and you can boogie, which means shake and move, just make sure that you don't hit anybody next to you. We're going to do it one more time. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. All right, here we go. Here's the beat. Here we go. One, two, three, four. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Middle of the week. It's Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? What was that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so if I say, oh, yeah, can you say it right back after me? Ah, what about? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What about? Oh yeah. And then what about? Oh yeah. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Good job. So if you guys are just tuning in, my name is Koi Bowles, and I am a musician. I play music. And I'm also an author. So uh, thank you guys so much for showing up. I, I see so many people from Georgia. How awesome is this? Columbia County, Warner Robins. I have family that used to live in Warner Robins. Waycross, Evans, Carver Elementary in Wadley, Georgia. Jackson Elementary, Cascade in Atlanta. Rome, Georgia, Columbia, Wadley again, Thomaston, Georgia, Statesboro. So thank you guys so much for showing up. We are about to get down. You Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Well, cool. You always seem to have a great time, almost as much fun as the kids. Um, I had fun. I know it was on a Wednesday morning. I was like, I'm going to tune in. And it really, it helped me uh, get started that day. Do you always have fun? Do you have as much fun as the kids? I do. I mean, I think that that's probably uh, the Facebook live stuff and just interacting with kids. Once I kind of figured out my way around it, uh, especially with the sampling and, you know, fake applauses and drum (laughs) beats and, you know, and all that stuff, it kind of made it more like a radio show a little bit, you know, um, uh, so yeah, I, I, and the idea of getting to connect with kids via, you know, technology, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, I'd be in every classroom, you know, but, uh, realistically, even through the trials and tribulations of COVID, you know, with my schedule, I wouldn't be able to be in every classroom anyway, you know, so the, the ability through technology to be in classrooms with kids, uh, and it be screen time, but not screen time that is, you know, um, I guess, uh, not beneficial, you know? Uh, so it's really cool for me to be able to be in the classroom, see them dancing around, get them to go crazy. And then, um, the idea of finding my way through it too, with like the sound effects and stuff has been really cool. Mm -hmm. And the, (laughs) the kids really seem to, um, they, re- they seem to enjoy it, and it's that kind of shared energy. When you see them kind of going bananas and running around and twisting and shouting and everything else, uh, it's hard not to sit and watch a TV screen full of kids doing that and be like, we're rocking right now, dude. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. 
I love the video clips that we got from some of our teachers because, you know, you're sitting there in your home studio and, and you're just kind of assuming uh, what's going on out there about the best you can do. Sure. You know, yeah. it's like, well, I hope they're responding to this. I hope it's going well. We get these clips and we've got confirmation. We've got hard data, as they say, yeah. uh, that the kids were responding and, and interacting, laughing in the right places, loving the sound effects. By the way, the sound effects drive my dog crazy. I just want, want you to know. <laughs> That's funny. I never um, thought about that. <laughs> it's just she loved it. Little head turn, you know. It was amazing. But no, I've done uh, enough of them virtually now to where I guess you're right. Uh, the when I do the Facebook Live, there's not video feed coming back. So yeah. Yeah, I've done enough of them like on Zoom with different classrooms over the pandemic. Um, to where I can envision in my head kind of what, what, it, what it looks like, you know? So <laughs> on Facebook, it was really awesome. Now that you say that because, uh, the pictures that I received back were just like I would have, have seen it in my head, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. And, and better. Uh, it was just amazing. Um, so we, we always look forward to those. Um, Coy, you were born and raised in Thomaston, Georgia, mm-hmm. not Thomasville. That's down near the Florida line out of Tallahassee, but Thomas Stun, which yes. is in Upson County, west of Macon. What are your memories of growing up in that area? And what kind of influence has that area had on your life, your music, your writing? Oh, uh, man, I really enjoyed growing up there. Um, you know, there's pluses and minuses to small towns, you know. Uh, there's the plus that, you know, there's a community and everybody kind of, uh, you know, looks after each other a little bit. Uh, you know, you're a lot more likely when I grew up, I mean, it was still kind of almost like ET in the fact that we drove our bikes all over the neighborhood. You know, I, there were no cell phones, there were no internet, you know, this kind of thing. So, uh, and I'm 42 right now. So I feel like, you know, my generation is one of the last to have technology come in in a big way at a point to where it wasn't, it was still kind of, critical to their learning you know i had we had internet and in my like junior senior year in high school it was dial up and all this stuff but in the last 20 years i've seen you know it to where you have like computers in your hand now but i didn't grow up like that so i you know and seeing kids grow up now in a different way is really interesting um so i feel kind of thankful in the sense that my neighbor was the guy who came over and said hey you guys need to stop doing that you know act right you know, and it was a part of the culture that it wasn't always your mom and dad who kind of corrected things. Sometimes, I mean, your neighbor was nice about it, but he was like, hey, y'all stop, you know, messing around, you know, or whatever. And you would, oh, you know, okay, sure. You know, I'll make sure I don't do that. Uh, And it was also people looking out for each other, you know, um, uh, as well. But then there's the kind of um, not being exposed to stuff um in a small town that sometimes uh i mean i'm sure now with the internet it's a lot easier but i remember being exposed to music was really hard i would have to listen to skateboard or i would look at skateboard magazines my favorite skateboarder would have a shirt on and it would be like a band name on it sometimes and then i would go to the back of that magazine to where they sold cds and have to find the band and then i would send off a check from my allowance (laughs) and then like 18 weeks later i would get a tape in the mail and if i didn't like it i kind of had to listen to it anyway yeah until i liked it you know because that was the only thing i had and then we got a cd store in town and uh, i would use my allowance to buy cds and it was the same thing you couldn't take them back so once you got it like you kind of like you you only had two cds to listen to And if one of them wasn't your favorite, then the only thing you could do is hopefully find somebody that you could trade one with or something like that, or um, just listen to it anyway. And there was a part of listening to it anyway, that, you know, kind of, instead of it being so fast to turn through things like it is now, like the attention span is like, I don't like this song and it's your favorite song halfway through it. Mm. uh, You know, I would listen to entire albums that I kind of didn't like. you know in order and then and slowly you would be like actually you know that third song's really cool and then it would grow on you just because of you know kind of default you would allow yourself to open up so anyway the exposure to things was a little difficult like you know i didn't eat uh sushi until i was probably 28 years old or something like that you know i didn't see another you know band really play until i was probably you know um 
besides like going to concerts with my mom or something, but just seeing a, another musician play, I was older, you know, like mm-hmm. probably right out of high school or something. Um, so it wasn't like I grew up surrounded by musicians or, or things like that. But uh, uh, I was a huge part of uh, uh, the river, the Flint River that runs through Thomaston has always been a huge part of my life. And a lot of my friends and I, it's kind of like to me, home base a little bit. Uh, if I ever get uh, too stressed out or too pulled away from where I think home base is, like going in, sitting in it kind of, you know, grounds me back into like, this is who I am. This is what I'm about, you know, or at least gives me peace of mind. So, um, and, and on top of that, uh, the community and my friends and my mom and dad's friends uh, got behind me when I was up and coming playing music. And I would go and play in Columbus and other areas. And then like 50 or 60 people would show up. And so uh, this guy would, you know, who was owning a bar or some, or a lady who was owning a bar would be taking a chance on this guy that they, nobody knew showing up to play and me kind of packing it out with my hometown uh, led to them being like, next time I called, they'd be like, yeah, bring that same group of people over and we'll have a good time again, you know? <laughs> and so my hometown supported me really allowed for me to kind of slowly move up the ladder and gaining fans and creating a buzz about who I was. And that eventually led to, uh, opening up for the Zach Brown band consistently, which eventually led to uh, me joining the band, which eventually led to us having enough, enough success to me realizing that I needed to take the voice that I was given with the band seriously, which has led me to why I would be right here with you guys right mm-hmm. now. So, you know, in a, in a roundabout way, if it wasn't for my hometown kind of getting behind me, I don't really know if I would be right here right now, you know? Yeah. I love that connection. Uh, that's interesting to hear about your, your hometown. Yeah. Good people. So when you're not writing books or hanging out with our Georgia pre-K students, uh, you just mentioned you do have another job that many of us um, are aware of. You are the lead guitarist for the Grammy award-winning Zach Brown band. So what's going on with the band? Are y'all back on tour now? We just got finished with a, a tour. It was really, really great to get out and play. Uh, the crowds were just a radioactive man i mean they were just on fire uh some of the best shows that i think that we've ever performed too it was just there was this sense about the whole thing of uh this is what we were made to do and uh and we hadn't been able to do that in a while so there was a chance of like kind of being you know we've always been grateful and humble but there's just like a kind of an extra layer to it you know we're getting to go back out and play and the crowds, you know, uh, music is such a, a huge part of the human existence and you don't, and it, it's kind of easy to forget because it's just everywhere. You get in the elevator, it's there. You get in your car and it's there. You know, you can put on speakers now and walk around anywhere with it playing. So when it's kind of gone and that live performance angle is just kind of erased, uh, there was, there was a sense of like community and kind of, uh, you know, I don't even know, man, almost like uh, primal, like this is how we communicate in an unspoken language kind of thing or, or through vibration and sound with each other, you know, it was just great, man. And then, uh, um, and then we, we recorded a, um, an album uh, over the, over the time period that we were off the road and uh, Zach wrote a bunch of really, really great songs with different songwriters. And we went in and recorded it. And there's kind of a recipe to when we do an album. Um, and the last couple of albums, there was a part of the recipe that I felt that um, we skipped because of certain reasons. Um, and on this album, we went back to that kind of original recipe, which was coming up with really great songs, songs that Zach uh, really has his heart and soul in um, and was a part of writing. And then um, then the band kind of arranging. That was the missing piece of stuff is the, the band really coming in and r- arranging all of the music together and taking these songs to kind of a heightened level through, you know, uh, a producer and, you know, this guy Ben Simonetti who produced the album and then Zach's you know, um, producing as well. 
And so just magical stuff starts happening when we do that. When we sit in a room together and everybody starts throwing out ideas, then all of these kind of classic, you know, rhythms and guitar parts and fiddle parts and, you know, and, and um, John Hopkins, who's a member of the band, uh, he's just one of the best vocal arrangers you'll ever find. So, man, if you listen to this album with headphones on and all the oohs and ahs and all this kind of stuff that he hears in his head and he was able to create, it was because we took that extra little time for him to have time to do that and me have time to come up with, you know, organ and guitar parts and help with the arrangements that really took this album to kind of where it, it sounds like the first three or four albums. Um, so I, and honestly, I mean, it's re weird to say this because generally people who are this late in their career don't get a chance to say this, but this might be the best album that we've ever done. Ooh. And it's doing really well too. People are, I mean, like all the reviews from the album are doing really well. The first single off the album is I think at number four or something like that now, which is called same boat. Um, um, so anyway, man, it's just kind of crazy to go through a pretty devastating period of being off the road and kind of not being able to do what you do and play and all of this, and then getting in the studio and kind of channeling all of that stuff and then getting back out on the road and releasing an album. And all of a sudden now we're kind of like, if there's this feeling that something cool is going to happen, you know, it's like, there's this yeah. energy within the band and within surrounding the music and everything that fans are like. All right, guys. And the name of the album is The Comeback, which is basically Perfect. named uh, <laughs> for the whole idea of the United States and the, the world in general kind of coming back, you know, through all the stuff that we've been through. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily like the comeback for us. But then again, it kind of was in a weird way, you know, so mm -hmm. a lot of mojo going right, on. I'm going to buy the album right now because I haven't listened to it, to be honest. And I can't believe it's taking me this long. Oh, Amy. I'm going to. I know I can't. You're I mean, I'm even saying I, I don't. Shame on me. Shame on me, Corey. Guys, shame on me. You if know, you're listening to this, <laughs> do not do as Amy does. <laughs> today, today, today's the day. Do you have a favorite experience as a member of the Zach Brown Band? Uh, with the music and uh, probably meeting Dave Grohl. I mean, Dave Grohl okay. is, uh, I'm a, I'm a buddy of, you know, we're buddies now. And, uh, yeah. when we first recorded together, uh, he came into the studio and I was really just kind of like, Oh my God, this is Dave Grohl, you know, one of those kind of things. And then we sat and played and the, it just kind of real. he's just one of us. He's a musician, you know, we're one of him. It was just, it all kind of felt real, real natural. And then we were eating dinner that night and we didn't really have that much more to do. And I was, and I looked at him and I said, so like, I got a lot of questions, dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like, you know, I'm a, I, I know the background on all of this stuff and I got questions and we sat and talked for probably three hours. And I asked him every single possible question that I could think of as a fan of the Foo Fighters and Nirvana. And he told me some of the craziest stories about them just being nobodies and all of a sudden changing the face of music for the next 10 years, you know? And it was just so funny to, to hear it from the horse's mouth, basically, you know, from him. So that's probably been, and, and the fact that when you meet somebody that you're that in awe of and that has affected you in such a profound way, uh, musically growing up and they're just so cool. There's nothing more awesome than that. Cause I've met other people before who've been really, really amazing as well. And then I've met some people who are just kind of like, uh, eh, they're a little bit, you know, introverted or they don't really, you know, uh, so it was really cool to meet somebody who's ex extroverted as he is and like kind of down for storytelling and conversation. It was almost like a dream come true. I and mean, if I had one wish in life, it's like, can I ask Dave Grohl three hours worth of questions? And you're like, yes, you can. <laughs> You know? I was going to ask you to mention someone you met who ended up being a jerk, but we won't, uh, we won't go there. Man, to, tell you, to tell you the truth, that's one thing that's been really beautiful about this ride is I can't say that I've met any one person. Uh, there's been different personalities, you know, yeah, like yeah. We, we got to meet and play James Taylor with, with James Taylor. He was an amazingly delightful guy. Huh. I mean, I sat in a room with him sat sitting like crisscrossed applesauce, like literally, with his legs crossed with the guitar in his lap. And I was getting makeup put on my face 
which is weird. That happens like once a year for this award show. And uh, he was playing There's No Business Like Show Business <laughs> on guitar, sitting in the corner off to himself. And I was just like, what is happening in my life right now? <laughs> but he, you know, he's a perfect example of somebody who's yeah. an amazing guy. Very cool. But he's just, he's a little bit more kind of quiet and to himself. And, you know, that's, some, that's all good, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I, but I can luckily say that we have really not met anybody who was just like, you know, outstandingly rude or hard to deal with or anything like that, which yeah. has been, been really cool, you know? Yeah, more disappointing, I think, to fans when they they realize. But a lot of it has to do with the timing and the circumstances of the meeting. You know, it's like you see someone famous in a restaurant, you walk over, you're actually invading their space. So you got to be respectful and kind of balance that a little bit. We, we mentioned uh, your daughter, Hattie, uh, earlier, who came up with the title, Can You Touch a Color? But there's also your daughter, Millie, and your wife, Kylie. How, how is the family? They're doing good. Millie just uh, learned, I went to her school the other day to read Can You Touch a Color? And she is uh, in pre-pre-K. Uh, so, uh, and she just learned, I've read this book to them, I don't know how many times. Um, and she just learned that one of the characters in the book is named Millie that day. I mean, she's known this forever, but <laughs> it was like right in front of her class. She was like, what? The character's name is Millie? And I was like, yeah, I named it after you. And she and every time that character would come on the page, she'd go, "That's me!" Like in front of all their classmates, uh, which was really funny. And then Hattie came home with the book, so she got her own copy of the book. And uh, she came home, and I said, "You want me to tell you something really cool?" And she was like, "What?" I was like, "You're the only person who came home from school today whose dad wrote that book." She got this like big smile on her face, like, "Wow, that's cool." I was like, you're the only person whose dad is on the back of that book. And um, so it was really cool to see her come on with the book, too, because my kids are old enough to kind of be in the mix now. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're in the program, you know, and they're loving it, man. They're just absolutely head over heels, thriving in school and just, you know, and being such a great part of it. And uh, Kylie's doing really well, too. We're about to um, uh, go to... Um, CMA Awards and uh, the Rolling Stones concert. Mm. Uh, the Zach Brown Band is opening up for the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I've never seen the Rolling Stones. So we actually bought tickets to go just see them as like a fan. So I'm going to go sit in the wife after, with my wife after we play and watch the Rolling <laughs> Stones together, which should be really fun. You had to buy your tickets? Yeah. Okay. We're not going to go there, but what? <laughs> yeah, the Rolling Stones, they don't throw out handouts for some reason, you know? <laughs> But I was I was happy to pay for it, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. They actually do that give you like that. a wristband, so you can go and sit down in the uh, the general admission or whatever. So they give you, you know, like access to go watch the show. But then I was like, I want my wife to come with me, and then you know, yeah. I don't want her to be like in one section, and me to be in another. So anyway, that sounds great. Well, Coy, you also serve on our board of directors for the Georgia Foundation for Early Care and Learning, and you're even participating in our Decal Scholars of the Year program, giving our winners, Adelina and Quinesha, a virtual visit for their students. So we thank you for that. Awesome. What is your passion for early childhood education? Because you, we, we met you, I guess it's almost five years ago now, and you continue to just be a big supporter along with us. And what, what inspires you and maintains that passion? It's interesting, man. This has been quite a journey for me. Uh, I, it, it started with a friend of mine, uh, one of the most creative people that I've ever met in my life. When he passed away, I promised myself that I was going to be creative uh, outside of um, just music. And uh, I wrote a story called Amy Giggles Laugh Out Loud, and I read it to Zach. And he said, man, I read children's books all the time. This is a really good story. You should read, you should think about turning this into a kid's book. And I was like, okay. So I just promised my friend, anything that comes my way that I was going to follow the muse. And I thought it was going to be like directing, you know, Quentin Tarantino style movies or, you know, I didn't know it was going to be children's books, but it was like something happened when he said it, it was like, it kind of had a ring to it, you know? And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. So I just kept following the signs. Um, my mother taught, college i taught for a long time i i teach at a university now 
Um, and uh, I've had teachers have a really uh, strong part in me being uh, successful or just or, or believing in myself. And so uh, it's been one of these things. It's been a really cathartic journey in the sense that I've, you know, always wanted to have a voice. I feel like when I was 16 or 17 and I was dreaming about playing music and I was kind of head over heels with it and I would get home from school and get off the bus and run upstairs and, uh, and play my guitar and cut it up as loud as I could before my parents got home. Uh, you know, and, and I was just think about this whole idea of like affecting people, you know, with like your guitar. And then, you know, when you would do an interview, you would say something, you know, and it would affect people and you just had a voice and people listened to you. And so I think that when that happened with the Zach Brown band and I got a voice, I was like, okay, you dream, you go your whole life dreaming to have people listen to you. What are you going to say? And, um, you know, it started really kind of taking shape with the idea that um, kids need as much love and, as, and attention as they can get. And also um, teachers need as much love and, and attention as they can get. So it's been this really interesting journey. And I think the reason why I've decided to kind of push it in full momentum is I've had some experiences with talking with, uh, with teachers recently over like the last four years or so. And they've shared their stories with me and I've never met a group of people that uh, have such interesting stories as uh, early education teachers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just really, I, I, I'm really thinking about trying to do some kind of like small documentary on it or something, because I went to NACI for the first time and I asked this lady why, um, why she started, you know, what, what, what got you into being an early education teacher? She told me the story about how somebody told her that she was never smart enough to do this. And I was like, first of all, who in the world tells people that they can't do stuff? You know, but it happens in life. And she had this lady, um, basically her friend who was a teacher said, if you want to be a teacher, then where you're going to be a teacher and took her and basically helped mentor her all the way to where she was able to be a teacher, you know? And she looked at me and she goes, I might be the best teacher you'll ever meet. And she said it with this like, such a profound, not, not, not like ego, but it was like just passion, man. And, you know, she had tears rolling down her eyes. I had like, I was swelling up in my eyes too. And I just met this lady. I was, you know, like 12 minutes ago and here she is like, and then I talked to the next person and she was telling me about her story and it was so profound. And then I realized right after that, that I don't think this happens when you go to CPA conferences. You know, like, you know what I mean? I think this happens to be teachers. I mean, nothing, no offense against CPAs, but like, it's a calling. And so I, I kind of had this thing to where I would love to use my voice to remind teachers why they started in the first place and how to be as happy and as connected with teaching as they possibly can, which makes for a good teacher, which in turn makes for good students. And that's kind of the journey that I'm on now. And it's all kind of taken shape over the last, you know, 12 years of writing books, but then it's slowly turned into getting more involved with teachers because, you know, ultimately if, um, if we have all of these kind of, you know, modern issues that are facing us, um, whether it be climate, whether it be technology, whether it be, you know, uh, population and how we're going to resource things through, it's going to take really smart kids to get us through all this stuff. And those kids are probably my daughter's age. You know, they're going to be 30 years old when things really start, when we need to have answers to that stuff and uh, 20 years old. And that, so it's, to me, it's really awesome that the kids that are coming along right now are going to be a, a, a huge effect on the, um, the future of, of, of us. And so I want to do everything that I can to be a positive force in that. And yeah. I think that comes down to helping kids be creative and being able to think uh, independently and also helping teachers to be uh, the best teacher that they can possibly be. Yeah. Great word. Of that was a long winded answer, but uh, it's the truth. No. It, and so encouraging to teachers that are listening out there today, whether you're teaching our very youngest from birth to three or in the pre-K or even uh, on, up into K through 12, 
uh, everything that you're doing really, really matters. Uh, Koi, it's always great to catch up with you. We know you're on social media. Where can listeners keep up with you and your books and everything else that's going on? Yeah. So if you go to KoiBowls.com, you can pretty much check out all of the books and everything there. If, um, if you're interested in purchasing anything like that, if you want to just follow me, um, Koi, at Koi Bowls on Facebook, uh, I think it's Koi Bowls Music on Facebook and at Koi Bowls on Instagram. <clears throat> and then um, make sure to follow Koiko Creative um, on uh, Instagram and Facebook as well because I'm posting new and different stuff on there about what I'm doing specifically with all the stuff that we've been talking about. Great. This is not an easy guy to keep up with because he's always moving. Those <laughs> wheels are turning. They've been turning while we recorded this podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We don't even know what's going to happen as a result of I'm that. I'm recording another podcast right now as well. <laughs> You're doing three podcasts <laughs> at one time. Yeah, and don't forget to watch out for uh, Can You Touch a Color special events and activities now through April. Remember the hashtag C-Y-T-A-C. Can you touch a color? C-Y-T-A-C. And the email, C-Y-T-A-C at decal.ga.gov for submitting some of the entries for upcoming contests. We'll be telling you all about that. Koi, great uh, to talk with you again today. And uh, we look forward to what's around the corner. Yeah, man. I cannot wait. I've got new stuff coming out, like you said, new music. Going to try to work on a new book. Uh, All kinds of cool stuff is in the works as well. So, I am not going anywhere. (laughs) Well, we are glad. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, man. See you guys. Bye-bye. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, this is Jill Vandenboss, and I'm a pre-K specialist here in Savannah. My question for the commissioner is, Commissioner Jacobs, what was your favorite book to read to your children when they were younger? Uh, well, Jill, thank you for the question. Oh, well, there were so many great books, and I know um, probably like you, we read them over and over again. Um, I'll have to say, um, even though it, it is a little odd, but Goodnight Moon was the favorite book uh, for my children when they were really young. We, we still have the copy. It's falling apart. Um, I still am not completely clear on <laughs> the plot of the book, um, but it was a little bit quirky and short, and I think my husband and I still haven't memorized because we read it so many times to both of our kids. Uh, so good night moon is definitely one that pops up first in my memories. You ever read uh, Mulberry street? Yes. That's a good one too. Yeah. That's, that's what, like Corey was talking about the, the rhyming. Yeah. I love Dr. Seuss books just yes, for the rhyming. Mm-hmm. So creative. So yeah. there's so many. Yeah. But that was, yeah, I love that one too. And it's time for your chance to win a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to this question. Email your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. We talked today with Coy Bowles and referred to his two daughters. Name one of them. We talked today with Coy Bowles and referred to his two daughters. Name one of them. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.